0: Alright, notice what it says in verse 30 of Jeremiah 23. It says, Therefore, behold, I am against the prophets, saith the Lord, that steal my words, every one from his neighbor. Behold, I am against the prophets, saith the Lord, that use their tongues and say he saith. Behold, I am against them that prophesy false dreams, saith the Lord, and do tell them and cause my people to err by their lies and by their lightness. Yet I sent them not nor commanded them. Therefore, They shall not profit this people at all, saith the Lord. Notice God talking about some prophets here that are coming. They're speaking in his name. They're saying that God sent him. They're saying that God said something, but God didn't send these people and God didn't say what they said. And God said that's stealing his words. And that's something that upsets God very much when a pastor gets up or a preacher gets up and says, you know, Lord gave me a message today and the Lord didn't give you that message. Uh, or they say you know this you know or they just get up preach some crazy false doctrine and that's bible you know if you don't believe me you don't believe the word of god and it's like god's up there in heaven thinking that is not my word that is not right this guy's up there speaking in my name you know how would you like it if there was somebody out in town you know going to your neighbors and saying you know brother you know matt he told me that you said this about him. It was just lying about you. And they're getting the neighbors all mad at you, saying you said stuff you didn't say. Anybody ever had that happen? Okay, it's not a it's not a pleasant feeling. Or they'll even take your words, but maybe they misuse them, they twist them, you know, to send a wrong message. And let me tell you something: people have been doing that with God's words forever. They're still doing that with God's word, saying He said it. We're going to go back to this passage in a little while, but. Something that the intellectual, you know, preacher crowd or Bible crowd likes to accuse the I of of is, you know, them and their Bible interpretation and their eisegesis is the word that they like to use. And, you know, eisegesis, it's basically an interpretation that expresses one's own ideas. Okay? Because we can all, like, take a passage like this and kind of get whatever we want out of it, can't we? And it isn't amazing how you can get five different people and they'll have five different interpretations of the Scripture. And so, you know, what's happening? They have their own eisegesis. This is what they think about it. This is their interpretation of it. I'm going to give you examples of eisegesis that I came up with. Okay, and these are just for fun. I'm not serious. Okay, I'm going to have some fun with you tonight. But then, so that's the eisegesis. And then you've got the exegesis. That's what the smart people like to talk about, which is a critical explanation or interpretation of the text or portion of the text especially of the Bible. So when we're doing an exegesis, I'm supposed to be showing you this is what the Bible says and this is what God meant by it. Okay? This is what he meant. Because that's where I often I sometimes people get in trouble with stuff that or I get in trouble with things that I preach. I'll be saying something but somebody will take what I say what I said and they'll get the wrong idea. Well he meant this by it. Well actually that's not what I meant. By it, That's your eisegesis of my words. Okay? But if we look at the exegesis, and we don't look at the exegesis by finding the original language I spoke in, you look at it by the context. You look at what's been said you know, before, what's been said after, and then you can get the idea. For example, you all would be good at doing an exegesis of maybe a sermon clip you heard of me, Because you all have heard enough of my preaching. You know my little inside jokes. You know my words that I maybe misuse. You know, like I don't use the word reprobate properly, you know. But you all know what I'm talking about. You know exactly what I mean when I'm saying some of these things. You know, we all have our inside jokes. And so if you were to do an exegesis on my statement or on that video clip, you could probably do an accurate one because it would be based off the context. But the eisegesis... You know, that's some sensitive little ninny out there who just gets their feelings hurt about everything and just thinks that I meant all these terrible things about them. Okay, that, That's an eisegesis. That's wrong. We well, you know people do the same thing with the Bible. They'll read something in the Scriptures and then they will just come up with their own ideas about it and then they preach that and say God said, and God didn't say that. That's not right. That is not good. We don't want to do that. So when you're studying your Bible... There's a couple things you need to look for. One, you need to ask yourself this question. What was God trying to say when the passage was given? That's important. okay? You know, And for example, too, there's, there's a lot of bad interpretations that people have of some of the Psalms and some of the prophecies. Because today, when we read a prophecy, we always are just interested in how it affects us. But actually, some of those prophecies, especially in the Old Testament... It meant something very specific for those people in that day. There's also stuff we can get from it, too, that maybe are a picture of something in the future. But we can't go overboard making it about us. Because ultimately, when that was given, it was in regards to a specific situation for specific people. And so it's important that we understand that so we don't start pulling things for that passage that we shouldn't be pulling from. You know, same thing, too, with the book of Psalms. Okay? With the book of Psalms. There's a lot of things in there that are poetic. They're figurative. So when you're reading those things, you've got to ask yourself, what is the psalmist trying to say? And a lot of times the psalmist is just trying to just magnify God, glorify God, make God look good. He's not trying to give a scientific explanation of things on earth. That's not what he's doing. So you've got to get the context. You've got to try to figure out exactly what the writer was trying to say when it was given. But then also, you should be looking for hey. What can I get out of this passage? Because all these stories that are in the Bible, you know, there's lessons that we can learn from them. There's principles that we can pull from them, and we can apply those things to us. So for example, uh, turn over to Matthew chapter 25. Now I want to have a little fun with you here. Okay, Nobody take a lot of what I'm about to say serious right now, because I'm going to have fun. Now normally when I do this kind of thing, and I you know, kind of mock, I, I usually use a southern accent. But I've been getting a lot of people offended by my southern accent. And I, if I end up going to the southern accent at some point tonight it's I love southern people I'm not making fun of southern people it's just most of the crazy preaching that you hear is by these crazy recognized southern accents I don't I don't know how to explain it but when I I'm, when I hear these things in my head it's just always in a southern accent I don't know why but so it just comes out that way all right so let me just throw that disclaimer out there because you know, I've heard, I, I've heard so many, you know, with the corona craziness that's going on, sensitivity is on the ultimate high. And I have offended so many people this year without even trying. And I don't want to offend my southern brother, because the real reason I make fun of southern people is because I'm jealous, because I wish I had a southern accent. So, but it, it might happen tonight. But well, so, Matthew 25, we're all familiar, right? Well, I'm not going to take time to read through all this. i got a lot I want to cover tonight. But this is the parable of the, of the ten virgins. Five wise, five foolish. Some of them didn't have oil for their lamps. Some did. The ones who didn't have oil for their lamps when the bridegroom came, they weren't ready. And you know what? They got left behind. They want they wanted that oil, but they weren't ready. So what are we supposed to get? I've I've been questioning a lot about this parable of the foolish virgins. And let me just give you my interpretation. This is now. I'm not being funny right now. I'm serious. Well, let's go ahead and read. I right? I don't want to just assume everybody knows it. But it says that. Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins, which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were wise, five were foolish. They that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps, and the bridegroom tarried. They all slumbered and slept. And at midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said unto the wise, Give us your oil, for our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered, saying, Not so lest there be not enough for us. And you, but go rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and they that were ready went in with them to the marriage, and the door was shut. Afterward came also the other virgins, saying, Lord, open us. But he answered and said, Verily I say unto you, I know you not. Watch therefore, for ye know not neither the day nor the hour when the Son of Man cometh. Now, what does this mean? Because some people will go to this passage and say, you notice how they had to buy the oil. And the oil is a picture of the Holy Spirit. And let me tell you, you think salvation is free? Matthew 25 is proof that you've know, you got to work for it. You've got to pay for it. You know, now, now, that's just stupid, isn't it? Because we've got a ton of clear verses that tell us salvation is free. But what do they do? They're going to take a parable and try to apply some hidden meaning. And did you know that the parables that Jesus told, they were like simple stories that you would tell a child to get their attention, to draw a picture in their head, and to give a very simple message? And y'all want to know, here's the deep, I wish I could get up here and show how much smarter I am than all the pre trib prophecy preachers on this. But let me tell you, here is the deep, hidden meaning of the parable of the foolish virgins. The meaning is, be ready. That's it. The message is, be ready. Hey, these women, they weren't ready. Well, why weren't they ready? Because they weren't ready. Right. That's just, Jesus has been telling them Hey, be watching Be ready for the coming of the Lord And you know, if, Because if you don't You're going to be sorry You're going to regret it Just like Let me tell you a story About some ver- foolish virgins And then people want to go And they want to dig into this And they want to pull All these things out of it To teach weird doctrine On salvation This passage has nothing To do with salvation Teach weird doctrine About Bible prophecy they want to try to make this. And listen, I could get up here tonight now if I wanted, I could make this passage fit pre-trib. I could make it fit post-trib. I could make it fit amillennial if I wanted to. And let me tell you, so a guy who's experienced in preaching, he can take about any scripture and go wherever he wants to with it. Now, I, I try to be careful imitating some of these things because I can do it pretty good. And I'm afraid I'm going to make people think I'm not sincere when I am preaching the truth. But it's not that hard. When you're pretty, you know, when you have some experience in preaching, and I see it all the time because I, I'm a student of preaching. I watch it. I pay attention to how they put things together. And let me tell you something: there's a lot of dishonesty in how people put messages together. And a lot of people are getting up. They've got their own will. They know what they want to say, and they're going to get up and they're going to put it out there like it's the word of God, and it's not. And I want to help you see through some of this stuff too because some of the things I'm going to talk about too, I I guarantee you I've been guilty of this many times in my life because sometimes that happens just because of laziness in study. But I'm going to kind of show you some of the tricks in preaching. I'm going to give away some of the hidden secrets and things that are out there because it's going to help you spot these things so you can tell what's really from the Lord and what's not. And I think it's okay for me to reveal these secrets because you know God commended the Bereans for not just taking the word of the preachers and searching these things. And so I want to help you see through some of the goofiness that happens in preaching sometimes. So I showed you what I believe that passage means. It just means be ready and watching. It. That's it. That's the message. Be ready and watching. If you don't, you'll regret it. We don't need to get any deeper than that. That's pretty much it. So now the exegete though, all right, the the intellectual guy, he wants to tell you what everything symbolizes. Well, you know if you want to understand this passage you've got to understand the manners and customs of the Bible at that time and you've got to understand that you know they had this practice back then you know and and then they'll go into all these things and they always it always magically helps it prove the preacher of rapture all, all the time and it's like no I'm sorry uh, that has nothing to do with it but that's what they like to do you know they'll teach weird stuff when it comes to salvation notice that you know Holy Spirit though you know that that oil represents the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. the oil always represents Holy Spirit in the Bible. Well, are you sure? Because I think this passage here is just talking about they weren't ready. They didn't have any light. They weren't able to see it, and because they weren't ready, they missed out. I, you know, and you can go overboard with that. I don't think we need to do that. So the eisegesis, of Jesus, though. Okay. So if I'm if, if I if I just you know let's say I'm mad. You know, a lot of preachers they preach things just because they're angry about something, and they got something they want to get off their chest. Okay? And so there's enough stuff in this Bible, no matter what I'm mad about, I can preach, I can get up, preach the Bible, and just lay it all out there. All right? So let's just say, you know, I'm mad at my wife. This morning, you know, I was waiting for my, I'm waiting for my wife to come out to the car, and I'm sitting out there, and I'm waiting, and she just won't get ready, and I'm just I'm honking the horn, and I'm just mad. You know, I'm mad. It's like, you know, women shouldn't make their husbands wait. I got proof of that. And I go to this passage here. You know, the message of Matthew 25, 1-13 is, you know what? Don't make your husband wait. You know, I see some women made the bridegroom wait in the Bible. And you know what? They got left behind. That's grounds for divorce right there. I mean, folks, we see right here what did the bridegroom do when they weren't ready? He left them. And you know what I did today? I left my wife at home. It's biblical. It was of God that I did it. Don't you laugh at me. You all just don't believe the Bible. That's the problem with you. Let me tell you, hey, I know this is a prophetic passage here, but all these things were written for our admonition, and the Lord gave this to me because He knew that I needed to hit my wife over the head with this for making me wait. And you know what else? There's 13 verses in that parable. 13 is the number of rebellion, and a wife that makes her husband wait is a rebellious woman. Boom! Now that's a whole sermon at a camp meeting right there, <laughs> you know, at, a, at a marriage conference, a family conference. You know, I, I can do that, but you know, I, I think you all know better. That's kind, of, that's kind of stupid, right? You know, that's probably when Jesus gave this parable, he probably wasn't thinking. I hope someday a oh, pastor figures this out and you, knows he can preach against women making their husbands wait on them. Now, I don't think that's what Jesus intended when he told this parable, but yet people will get up and they'll preach junk from Jesus' parables and they're like, that's what God said. No, He didn't. You're stealing God's words. That's wrong. That's out of line. Now, it's okay. And I'll talk about this a little more later. It's okay for us to take life application principles and use things as illustrations. They did that. I'm going to show you where they did that in the New Testament. It's okay to do that. But, at the same time, I don't. we shouldn't go as far as saying... You know this is what God intended, this is why it's there, and then acting like God said this. That's not that that's where you know we get out of line real fast. So, you know, in reality, this passage is Jesus is showing the importance of being ready and watching. And so I can make a life application for this and make sure that I'm ready and watching, not just for Christ's return. But you know what? I could preach. I could use this passage talking about being ready for difficulties in life that may come. You know, the Bible warned us about some you know, difficult things that might come our way. We should be ready for that. We should always be watching. We should always have our lamps trimmed and ready to go. Okay? Would it be inappropriate if I did that? No. Okay. You know, if I was to talk about you know some impending danger that's coming our way, you know, that has nothing to do with Bible prophecy, and I pull principles for that, that's okay to do that. It's okay to do that, but it's important that you understand what that passage is really about. That's it's important you that you first understand that. And if you don't, if you don't know the Bible well enough, then you might think that's what that's all. You might think that's all that's about is about making sure women are not allowed to ever make their husbands wait. And then we got husbands leaving their wives at gas stations in the middle of trips and. You know, church, after church. You know, and it does all the I believe my wife places all the time. <laughs> Especially when I, she goes into the store to get something. It's going to be a few minutes. You know, and after three minutes, I should be able to leave then, right? According to Matthew 25, 1 through 13. But no, that's that's probably not the way it is. So, I, you know, I could use that print a principle from there to preach on prudence. There's a lot of ways I could use that passage. And, and it's fine. That it would be appropriate. But do you see how you can take it too far. You can definitely take it too far. So, turn over to Luke chapter 6, verse 1 through 5. I think this is an example where we see Jesus doing this very thing. In Luke chapter 6, verse 1 through 5, it says, and it came to pass on the second Sabbath after the first that he went through the cornfields, and his disciples plucked the ears of corn and did eat, rubbing them in their hands. And certain of the Pharisees said unto them, Why do ye that which is not lawful to do on the Sabbath day? Now notice, Jesus did not quote a scripture directly dealing with this law. That's not what he did. Look what he says. And Jesus answering them said, Have ye not read so much as this what David did when he himself was in the hunger and they were with him? And he went into the house of God and did take, take and eat the shoe bread and gave also to them which were with him which is not lawful to eat, but for the priests only. He said unto them that the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. You know what Jesus did there? He took just a precedent from a story. Okay, That story where David ate the showbread, that was just a story. That was just something that happened in the Bible. And you know what Jesus did? He went and He used that story as precedent for what He's doing. So that's okay to do that. You know, It's okay for us to go and take stories like David and Goliath and use that when it comes to facing spiritual giants in our life. It's okay to do that type of thing. That's what Jesus did, even though at the end of the day the story of David and Goliath is ultimately about David and Goliath. Isn't it? And, all, and a lot of times, too, you know, the trendies, the Calvinists, all they want to preach about is just what the Bible says. And that's good. We should do that. I should preach about what the Bible says, what Paul was trying to teach to that Corinthian church. But, you all need life application too, don't you? We all need things that help us and to encourage us. And so we get precedent from the Scripture. So Jesus did that. You know, the Apostle Paul did that. In the past, we looked at this morning, uh, we didn't look at that verse directly, but when he said, Thou shalt not muzzle the ox that treadeth out the corn. He was he took a principle from the Old Testament to show that you ought to pay the preacher. That, so the Apostle Paul, he didn't go to a Scripture directly dealing with paying a New Testament era pastor because when the Old Testament was written, they didn't have New Testament era pastors yet. The Apostle Paul is the one. He's one of the men writing all these scriptures. They didn't have all these scriptures. So what did he do? He pulled a principle from the Old Testament that was about taking care of your oxen. And you know what he said? He said, if God cares for oxen, how much more? Does He care for His servants? So... It's okay to do that. So, but though, so, uh, um, you know, truth is too, you can make life, life applications lessons out of pretty much anything. I mentioned this, I think it was in Sunday school this morning. I saw a book one time, and it used to be really popular, on Sunday school lessons from the Andy Griffith show. And apparently, I think it was a big thing in the Southern Baptist, they would literally go to Sunday school, watch an episode of Andy Griffith, and there's a lot of good morals on the Andy Griffith show. Okay. I, remember, I remember I was like, Andy Griffith's Sunday School book. And I looked at that and, you know, listen, I'm just going to confess it right now. I've seen them all, folks. All right. <laughs> I, I could preach sermons from Andy Griffith. Okay. But I remember I went and I looked. I'm like, what in the world? I looked and it had like Opie and the Spoiled Kid. All right. I mean, remember Opie and the Spoiled Kid? There were, some, there were some great lessons you could teach your kids there. And you know what? It had Bible verses, too, along those lines. You know, and I'm just like, but I remember thinking, really, Andy Griffith, when we watch Andy Griffith, at the church, that just doesn't seem real spiritual. But they were able to pull biblical principles and truths from even the Andy Griffith show. So we can do that with anything. It's OK if a preacher gets up and gives a testimony, an illustration from his life to help teach something. That's fine. But I'm I'm saying that to say that a good preacher can make anything fit whatever he wants. And it's not always inappropriate for him to do that, but I'm letting you all know this. So if there's like a unique situation that we're facing as a church, and I just show you the scripture that goes along with that, don't be super impressed with me, okay? Because I mean, sometimes it might be impressive. Sometimes it's. I've, I've heard preachers before get up and they've taken a scripture something from the book of Acts and applied it to the situation. I'm like, wow, you know, I wouldn't have even thought of that one. But that actually makes sense. I've had those moments where I've been impressed, and then there's others. I'm like, Are you serious? You're, you know that you're going to use that as the springboard into your sermon. That doesn't even make sense. You know, but uh, you know, don't be super impressed with that. That's not necessarily this word of knowledge I got from God. It's just I know how to make things fit, what I need it to fit. And all pastors with any experience know how to do that. I hate to reveal that little fact to you, but if you all know that's a fact. You'll be able to kind of see through some of these things when it happens. Because something you need to realize too, there's many passages in the Bible that by themselves seem to conflict with one another. Now, I could give a ton of examples of this right here. But I've got a few. But I, if I wanted, I could go to 1 Peter 2, verse 17 and say, Honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God, and honor the king. The Bible says to honor the king. And then, if I need you today to do whatever the government says, I'm going to talk about honor the king. You know, if I decided that I'm you know, I, i jealous because you all are going to go celebrate July 4th in a way that I don't approve of, I want to do a church activity or soul winning, you know, then I can just go and say, like, you know what, there were a bunch of rebels, there were a bunch of, you know, bad people, because the Bible says, honor the king. It does say, honor the king. Therefore, Revolutionary War, it was a great sin, it was horrible, blah, blah, blah. All right? Well, but I could also go to Luke 13 31. Where it says, The same day there came certain of the Pharisees saying unto him, Get thee out and depart hence, for Herod will kill thee. They're talking to Jesus here. And he said unto them, Go ye and tell that fox. Behold, I cast out devils, and I do cures today and tomorrow, and the third day I shall be perfected. i You know, I've got stuff to go tell that fox. I ain't done. Now that's Jesus talking to the king that way. See, so you know what? I'm going to get up here, and I'm just going to rail on the president. Yeah, man, I don't like Trump. He's just a dirty, rotten adulterer, and I hate him. You know what? I hope he drops dead, and all, I can just say all these things I want. And, you, know, you shouldn't speak that way, should I? You know, the king. You should you know, not speak evil of the rulers of the people. Hey, Jesus called him a fox. Yeah, well, the government told you you, know, you ought to shut down. You know what? Go tell that fox we'll shut down when we're good and ready. But if I wanted to, if I want to go along, I got a verse for it, don't I? But if I want to fight him, I got a verse for it too. See, how you can preach it either way. I, hey, folks, I've been around this long enough; I can preach whatever I want. I could, I could join the Methodist Church tomorrow if I wanted to. Right? <laughs> I, I could, I could, I could do that. I'm not going to do it because. Try to be honest. But uh, Second Timothy two twenty four says the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men. Have to teach patient. You know what? I'm just sick of these preachers. They're just always ripping on other preachers. You know, I think they need to be patient. I think they need to be gentle. I think they're just too hard on everybody, and I just think that's wicked. The Bible says the servant Lord, must not strive. Why do preachers always want to fight with each other all the time? What's wrong with them? That's so wicked. But you know, the Bible also says, Titus 13 This witness is true. Wherefore rebuke them sharply. That they may be sound in the faith. So if I want to be nice to a preacher, I got a verse. Hey, I'm just being patient with them. I'm just being gentle. But if I want to be mean, I got a verse too. Oh, and if I want also in Titus, so Titus, where he says, wherefore rebuke them sharply, he says in chapter 3, verse 2, to speak evil of no man, to be no brawlers, but gentle, showing all meekness unto all men. That's in the same book. We got two different things. I can go wherever I want with this, folks. Hey, if today I just feel like ripping everybody, shooting everybody down, I can do it. I can do it. I can pull out plenty of Scriptures. If I want to be really nice and just Mr. Gracious and get along with everybody, I can do that too. And i got plenty of verses that I can use. Galatians 2.11. But when Peter's come to Antioch, I was stood him to the face because he was to be blamed. Which, which one am I supposed to do? And I don't have time to go into all that, but again, that's where you've got to learn how to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. And, and, and there's a lot more too. A lot of times, it's like, well, this seems conflicting. That's because I'm applying both of these verses to one specific situation. What you need to do is find out what were both of these passages talking about exactly when they were written. And then compare them to your situation. That's what you have to do. And I don't have time to do that. But I, I could give examples. We can see that. You know, I can go to Proverbs eleven thirteen. A talebearer revealeth secrets, but he that is of faithful spirit concealeth the matter. And I can get up and I can talk against gossip. And I can talk about you. Or let's say that you know you know I'm guilty of some sin, and you all want to expose me. I got some verses that I can hit you over the head with to shut you up. You know what you are? You're a tail You're revealing secrets. How dare you, you know, tell the, these people about this? You're wicked. But then if I want to get the word out, hey, okay? hey, if I want to expose somebody, if I want to reveal a secret, I got verses against it, I got verses for it too. Luke eight seventeen For nothing is secret that shall not be made manifest, neither anything hid that shall be not be known to come abroad. Pastor Tommy, why did you reveal that? You shouldn't have told people that stuff. That was personal information. Hey, the Bible says, "For nothing is secret that shall not be made manifest." It was going to come out anyway. The Bible says so, and so you know what? Who cares if it was me that said it? You know, I'm not putting the lid on anything. You know, First Peter four eight, and above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves, for charity shall cover the multitude of sins. So I can cover up whatever I want. I got a verse for it. If I want to, if I want to cover up sin. Just because it will help save my backside and make me look good. i got verses to cover it up. But if I don't like somebody and I just want to hit, I want to expose them, i got verses for that too. I can go to Luke 12.3. Therefore, whatsoever you have spoken in darkness, that shall be heard in light. And that which you have spoken in the ear and closets shall be proclaimed upon the housetops. Pastor Tommy, why did you go on YouTube and tell everybody about that? I told you that in secret. Hey, the Bible says it was spoken in the closet and it was on the housetops. You should have known that. If you'd have known your Bible, you'd have known that I was going to go and take what you told me in confidence, and I was going to blast it all over YouTube. Do I not? You see how we can go either way? And man, preachers do this all the time, all the time. It's just—it's nauseating. Then. You know, the people are out there like, you know, well, how do we know what somebody's actually supposed to do? It will help if you actually know the scripture yourself. If you take those scriptures that they screamed at you and look at the specific situation that that was talking about and ask yourself, is this passage even appropriate for me to use as a precedent in my specific situation? And the thing is, no two situations are exactly alike. And sometimes there's a time to reveal things, sometimes there's a time to conceal things. And if I reveal something that people don't like, they're going to throw verses at me about concealing. If I conceal something people don't like, they're going to to quote verses to me about revealing things. So at the end of the day, you you just can't win with some people. They're going to do whatever they want. So we can go on and on and show examples like this of Scriptures that seem to say opposite things, and I can take them and just use them for my benefit however I want. So the problem that we have today, it's not the Scriptures, but the problem is preachers... They get up in pulpits. They have something they want to say. And instead of them saying what the Lord wants them to say, they just get up and they use some of God's words as a springboard for whatever they want to rant about. And that's not that's not right. So, And if I want to say something bad enough, so I can find a verse, I can find a phrase, I can find a story in the Bible, something that says something close enough to what I have to say... That will give me something I can rip on for the next 45 minutes. Okay? So, for example, I, I, maybe I'll try to do this. I don't want to spend a lot of time because I've got a real Bible I want to preach. But I've done this before. I don't know if I can do it without using my southern accent. It's like my superpower. But, you know, I've done this before where I take a random verse and a random doctrine and I do whatever I want to with it. Alright? So, I need I, I need a random doctrine. Alright? Somebody give me a random doctrine. Come on. The circumcision, all right? Okay, I need a verse. Awesome. Right. That, this verse better not have anything to do with circumcision. you ruin my illustration. Every time I do this, I take the chance of just it falling flat and not working at all. But it usually works, all right? Deuteronomy 31.5 says, And the Lord shall give them up before your face, that ye may do unto them according unto all the commandments which I have commanded you. Notice what it says there, all the commandments. The circumcision was one of the commandments, folks. And you know what? Those of you that don't believe in doing that still, you know your problem is? You don't believe all the Bible. Bible says all the commandments. So we got people today wanting to leave this out, leave the circumcision out. I know the Apostle Paul dealt with this in the book of Acts and told them they didn't have to worry about it, but you know what? We're better than the Apostle Paul. We like all the commandments. The Bible says do all the commandments. So, Deuteronomy 31, five because it says all the commandments, it is about circumcision. That was pretty easy, actually. But, you know, we, we could go on and on. I probably shouldn't waste a whole lot of time doing this. I did that without a southern accent, too. It would have been better if I had a southern accent. But, anyway, but another illustration I want to do, too. Okay, now, now, you're going to love this. Okay, now, literally what I did, I wanted to take a story that wasn't from the Bible and just make it about whatever I wanted. And, and what I did, I was like looking up like children's stories online, and I looked up Aesop's fables. I've heard of those, and so I literally went. I took the first one. I was like, I'm going to use whatever the first one is. Okay, the first of Aesop's fables I read was this one. I, I'm going to read it to you, and I'm going to preach a short message. And it's just amazing what I am going to magically be able to do with this particular story. All right, so this one's called the Wolf and the Lamb. That sounds biblical too. All right, so. <laughs> Once upon a time, a wolf was lapping at a spring on a hillside when looking up. What should he see but a lamb? Just beginning to drink a little lower down. There's my supper, thought the wolf. If only I can find some excuse to seize it. Then he called out to the lamb. How dare you muddle the water from which I am drinking? Nay, master, nay, said Lambican. If the water be muddy up there, I cannot be the cause of it, for it runs down from you to me. Well then, said the wolf, why did you call me bad names this time last year? That cannot be, said the lamb. I am only six months old. I, I don't care, snarled the wolf. If it was not you, it was your father. And with that, he rushed upon the poor little lamb. Any excuse will serve a tyrant. Now think about this. You know what? All this lockdown stuff, it's just the excuse for the tyrant's. That's all there is to it. They're trying to tell us that, you know what, y'all are killing everybody, y'all are spreading diseases around, but you know what, it's just because they're tyrants and they're looking for an excuse to shut us down because, you know, before they didn't have anything they could pin on us. We weren't doing anything bad. We're just living our lives normal. And then what do they do? They just finally found something. They just made up something. You know why? Because they're tyrants. That's why. And our governor is a tyrant, Right. That's the whole message right there. I could also take that too and say that if somebody just didn't like me and wanted to attack me, they could find just about any... It would not be hard to find something because there's no two preachers in the world that agree with each other completely. There's no preacher in the world that's right on everything. There's no preacher in the world that has never done anything wrong. And so if I just decide I'm done with somebody, I don't like somebody... I can pick out one of their sins. I can pick out one of their faults and one of their failures and I can use it as an excuse to bite and devour. You know why? Because any excuse will serve a tyrant. Now, is that Bible right there? Now, is it true? Now, is it very convenient for me right now? have Now, let me tell you something, folks. I put this message together Wednesday. Literally. Okay? I did it Wednesday. Just saying that, just to let everybody know. Literally Wednesday, isn't that how the Lord works that way? All right, but do you, have I illustrated to you that it's not hard for a preacher to just get up and say whatever he wants and act like his Bible? It's not hard. And so, as a pastor, I have a responsibility to preach the Word, meaning I need to preach exactly what the Bible says. I also have a responsibility to teach the Scriptures and help everyone understand. The passage of Scripture, what it says, what it means, I'm supposed to rightly divide. That's what we do when we're preaching through books of the Bible. But I also have a responsibility to deal with issues in the church. And so that means sometimes I might need to get up and just do some house cleaning. And this might even mean, too, I don't use a whole lot of Scripture. I just might need to get up and I might need to talk about some bad attitudes in the church. And it wouldn't be hard to find some Scriptures about bad attitudes, That wouldn't be hard at all, but you know, sometimes a pastor's just got to get up and he's got to just deal with what's going on in his church. And you know, whenever that happens, that's not time for you to be, well, there wasn't much Bible in that message. Sorry, you know, sometimes I just need a pastor. You know, not everything, but now I don't need to get up and just like use one little verse as a springboard, make it very specific for our situation in a weird, twisted way. And then act like all of a sudden now I've got this new thing I found in the Scripture as an excuse I can throw you all out of the church or something. And then act like it's the Word of God. Well, this is what God told me. You know, I, I think you came up with that yourself. And you happen, God's Word just happened to have a line in there that was convenient for him. But I'm just saying it's not wrong for a preacher to do that, to just get up and say, hey, we need to deal with And then say, here's a precedent in the Scripture. Remember how David handled this situation when there was a rebellion going on. You know what? We're going to do that same thing. It's okay to do that. Preachers aren't out of line. Now, the exegesis crowd, they always like to criticize that and make fun of it. But that's appropriate too. There is a time for that. It's okay. If you you hear a preacher do that, if you hear me get up and do that, it's right. But you at least need to understand what it is that I'm doing. And sometimes, I might have something on my heart because something's going on in the church and I need to just put it out there. I might need to do that, and but at the same time, you need to understand what I'm doing. Okay? I'm not trying to hide what I'm doing. I'm not going to get up here and try to pretend, you know, I was reading the scripture and this passage just fit this situation perfectly. Almost like Aesop's fable. You know, I, I don't, I'm don't. i not going to do that. I'm just going to be honest. Hey, I'm speaking to you from the heart tonight and you know what, uh, you're all out of line and this is what, you know, I need to see a You know, clean house. That's all right. you know, and there's people out there, they will criticize, oh, you use hardly any Bible. And that's one of the mistakes, too, preachers sometimes make whenever they're dealing with something in their church and there's not a lot of Bible for it and they try to make a lot of Bible for it. we don't need to do that. We don't need to add things to the Scriptures. Just, you know, deal with the situation and there's some subjects the Bible doesn't say much about and I know in the new I we like to brag about how much more scripture we use than everybody else. But sometimes there's just not a lot of scripture for some things. So we just, you know, leave it alone. We were joking about it before. You know, if I want to debunk the flat earth because they don't believe in gravity, I can use the verse, having his children in subjection, with all gravity. <laughs> Tell me gravity doesn't exist, folks. <laughs> Boom. I proved it. Okay. Now, that's not the way you do that, is it? Eh? but uh, you know' I'm, I'm required to have so many verses yeah, but you, you don't get to use ones like that but that's what people often do even preaching things that are true they'll take verses that have nothing to do that that verse has nothing to do with the subject yeah but it sounds good <laughs> it's got a line in there that makes a good title yeah but you' you're, you're messing with God's word and when he wrote that, he had an intention for it, and if you and you're not getting the intention that God had, you're stealing His words. So, look, let's go back to Jeremiah 23, in verse 21. And it says, "But I have not sent these prophets; yet they ran. I have not spoken to them; yet they prophesied. Well, these guys doing? Preaching? I didn't send them. I didn't give them a word. But if they stood in my counsel and had caused my people to hear my words, then should." Uh, Then they should have turned from their evil way and from the evil of their doings. Am I a God at hand, saith the Lord, and not a God afar off? Can any hide himself in the secret places that I shall not see him? Saith the Lord, Do not I fill heaven and earth, saith the Lord? Do these people think that I'm not around? Do they think that I'm not hearing what they're saying? Do I think that when I'm up here preaching and I'm saying God said something that He didn't say, that God can't hear me using His name? And his words to preach my own words. I think I'm going to get away with that type of thing. No way. God's, he is not a God afar. He's a God near. He's everywhere. He hears me. And if I get up here and I'm like, the Lord told me something that he didn't tell me, I'm just up here just expressing my own will to you because I don't know what the will of God is. That's wicked right there. God's not going to be happy with that. Says, I have heard what the prophets said that prophesy lies in my name, saying, I have dreamed, I have dreamed. How long shall this be in the heart of the prophets that prophesy lies? Yea, that are prophets of the deceit of their own heart, which think to cause my people to forget my name by their dreams, which they tell every man to his neighbor, as their fathers have forgotten my name for Baal. The prophet that hath a dream, let him tell a dream. And he that hath my word, let him speak my word faithfully. What is the chaff to the wheat, saith the Lord? Hey, if God gave you something to say, say it. But if he didn't, shut up. So this is not my word like as a fire, saith the Lord, and like a hammer that breaketh a rock into pieces? Hey, if it's from God, if it's God's word, it's going to get the job done. But you know, my words might not necessarily do it. My words will just cause confusion. My words will just have everybody scratching their head wondering what's going on, wondering, I can't figure out what I'm supposed to do. I don't know if I'm supposed to expose things or conceal things. I don't know if I'm supposed to be nice right now or mean right now. I don't know how I'm supposed to act. That's what's going to happen when a preacher just gets up and he just barks his opinion, when he just barks his own word and his own will instead of speaking the word of God. He says, Therefore I am against the prophets, saith the Lord, that steal my words, everyone from his neighbor. Behold, I am against the prophets, saith the Lord, that use their tongues and say he saith. Behold, I am against them that prophesy false dreams, saith the Lord, and do and do tell them, and cause my people to err by their lies and by their lightness. Yet I sent them not, nor commanded them; therefore they shall not profit this people at all, saith the Lord. See, that's a problem. You know what the problem a lot of pre- people have, members of churches have today: the preaching is not profiting them at all. They're not getting anything out of it because they're only getting the opinions of the pastor. And they only and some people that they only know how to follow the will of that pastor. They don't know how to think for themselves. I mean, if a difficult situation comes up, well, I gotta wait and find out what the pastor says so I can know what to do. Well, actually, if the pastor preached the word of God to you, you'd be able to figure it out. You know, if I preach the word of God to you and let's say that you know, there's a scandal going on, a surprise let's say there was a, s let's say something really weird like a scandal and the new IFB was going on. I know that would never happen let's say something like that happened. And, you know, if I am preaching the word of God, I could get up, I could preach the scriptures. I wouldn't even have to refer to it. I wouldn't even have to allude to it. And the scriptures, the word of God that I taught you would help you and guide you into making the right decision and knowing what to do. But it would be easier for me to just give them and tell you what I want you to do. And you know what? That would be easier for you, too, because then you don't have to think. Then you don't have to pray. Then you don't have to rely on the Holy Spirit. Hey, I'm just gonna do what Pastor Tommy says. If I don't, he's gonna reprobate me from the pulpit. I ain't having that. So, you know, that that's easy. And you know a lot of people want that. You know, that's why the Catholic Church is so popular. People want, hey, I just trust this priest. He'll take care of me. Hey, Father, you're gonna do my last rites, right? You're gonna get you're gonna make sure I get into heaven, right? That's what they do. They just trust in that priest. And a lot of people, are the same way, even with the Baptist preacher. Hey preacher, just tell me what to think. No, how about preacher, teach me the word of God so I'll know how to think. And that's why, because, and that's what I want to do because I'm t- I don't want a bunch of nut jobs out there in the internet world speaking things in my name. So, you know, Pastor Tommy said that, and this. I never said that. I never said anything like that. And people do that all the time. A preacher preaches something. Maybe something a little controversial, and then somebody takes it, and then they go off a clip with it. They go to some ex- crazy extreme with it that I would never go to, and then they act like oh, I was just I was just following what you teach, Pastor Tommy. Said, no, you weren't. You know, and, and and you know what? It's not my fault if internet people are just completely whacking out of line. Okay, and they're out there. Okay, they're out there. And let me tell you something too. I'm not following for a lot of the praise that I'm getting on haters' channels right now. Some people think I fall for that. Hey, hey I've been preaching about this flattery stuff for a long time. I see right through that. I have harshly rebuked people for saying nice things about me before. Because I, I recognize it's flattery. I see through that kind of thing. But it's like, apparently I'm supposed to make a YouTube video responding to every little thing that ever happens with me out there. I don't have time for that. There's too much going on. But, you know, the the thing is, if I teach you, okay, hopefully, and I don't see you all going to these crazy extremes out there. You know, hopefully I'm actually, because if you are, you know what it means? I'm not teaching you anything. You know, because then I can say, hey, you know, Austin, you you went way too far on this. You're out of line. And, okay, you know, he reins himself back, but did I really help him? Okay, I stopped him in that one thing, but what about the next thing that comes along? I can't be just telling everybody everything to do in every situation. And so if I teach you the Word of God, it'll make wise the simple. And you'll just know what to do. And I, and I won't have to tell you every little thing, but if I'm just up preaching my Word, I will have to tell you every little thing. I will have to tell you how to handle every situation, and I don't want to do that. So, what you need to learn real quickly, what what you need to watch for when anyone's preaching, including me, you need to watch for this, is always remember, not everyone claiming to preach the Word was sent by God. Okay, A lot of people claim it. We see that in verses 21 and 22. We also need to remember that God is also hearing what we are saying. You need to sit there. Every time I preach, you should be sitting there and in your mind, you're like a little child. Okay, who? So imagine... When you were a little kid or if you're a little kid, if you're at home and one of your brothers and sisters says a bad word that you know is against the rules in your house. What do all the brothers and sisters do when they say something like that? They'll look at mom and dad thinking, what are they going to do? They're, what does mom and dad think? That's what they're that's what they're doing because something's not right with what they just did. So you know what they do? They look at mom and dad, they look to the authority to make to see what's going to happen. And a lot of times if mom and dad don't do anything about it, then you know what it tells the kids? Well, this is fine. And anytime I get up and preach, if I say something that seems off, if I say something that seems out of line, you ought to look at God. And you know how you do that? You look at by looking at his word. Wait, well, that doesn't sound right. You know? And check up on it. That's what you should do. Every time you hear something that just doesn't set right. Wait, that's weird. Because you know there's some, the, the the spirit. It helps us. It guides us. And sometimes you're going to hear things preached and you'll be like, you know, this didn't seem biblical. And you know what you need to do? You need to go tattle to God and say, uh, Lord, Pastor Tommy said this in church. Is that okay? Was he supposed to say that? Now, don't go to another pastor and tattle on me. Don't go to another church member and tattle on me. But go to God and tattle on me anytime I say something that seems a little weird. Kids do that all the time. Hey, I don't, you know, I, I, I'm pretty sure, you know, my brother's going to get in trouble for doing this. I'm going to go tell, I'm going to go tell my dad. And if you do, if you're pretty sure, I don't think he was right. Go tattle on me. And ask God to show you and say, you know, Pastor, Pastor Tommy said I was supposed to do this. This doesn't seem right. Lord, am I supposed to do this? That's what you ought to do. Cause you know why? God is, God hears what I'm saying. God hears me preaching right now. You should be looking at him and wondering, looking to see if there's approval or anger. We find that out by looking in his word. We find that out the Holy Spirit will show us too. The Holy Spirit will guide us in that area. So we also our our minds should always be looking to the scriptures for God's reaction to anything that's being preached. Yeah, Pastor Tommy used a verse, but I don't know, something's not setting right. He used a bunch of verses. But you know, I think about these other verses too, and sometimes you're gonna to have to do a little bit of homework. You're gonna to have to do a little bit of study. And so, and all, the last thing you need to remember is any preaching of God's word should impress you with God and not the man. Because notice it says in verse 27. But I say unto you, oh, I went on wrong passage there, um, which think to cause my people to forget my name by their dreams, which they tell every man to his neighbor as their fathers have forgotten my name. You know what a lot of preachers want to do? They want to replace God with themselves. That's what they want. They want people loyal to them. People that look to them for everything. And so the thing is, is my preaching drawing you more towards me? Or is it drawing you closer to God? Only you can answer that question. You know, and Hopefully, I'm impressing you with God. Hopefully, my preaching makes you want to read the Bible even more. You know, I, I mean, I'm glad when people like my preaching and want to listen to some of my sermons and things like that. But, you know, hopefully, ultimately, what my preaching does is it just makes you want to read your Bible. That that That's a success if that's happening. And so when we trim the message, you know, if I'm not telling you things that I should, you know, we're stealing God's Word, but we're also stealing it when we say God said something that He didn't say. That's, that's wrong. And so, you know... You need to ask yourself that question, is the pastor speaking God's word or his own word? And you know what? Every sermon is going to have some some of both. Every sermon, I'm going to give some of my own opinions, some of my own wisdom, some of my own thoughts. It's going to be that in every sermon. But you need to learn to distinguish between the two because sometimes preachers say things that are just mistaken, that are off, that are inaccurate, and then you have all the nut job followers out there that go repeating it everywhere like it's scripture. It's like, are you serious? Where did you get that? Well, you know, the pastor said this. Well, you know what pastors get things wrong sometimes, you know. And so you need before, you, especially before you go hitting people over the head with stuff. Right, I've been trying to tell you not to go hitting people over the head with every new thing you learn in the scriptures, but especially don't hit people over the head with lines you got from me. Okay, that's you know, that, let, let's not do that. No pastor is going to be capable of not sharing his opinion somewhere in the sermon, but just learn the difference so you can have discernment and how you apply what's been taught. No pastor can also give the perfect illustration that will cover how you should act in every situation. There's so many variables in every situation. He can give you examples. He can give you illustrations. He can help you understand main points. But ultimately, what's going to help is if you understand God's Word yourself. That's what you need to look for. And so too many churches there are filled with people who just have no idea how to communicate with God. They have no idea how to learn things for themselves. And when you're a new believer, that's fine. That's normal. But at some point, you've got to learn how to understand the Word of God for yourself. Because my illustration I gave for my situation in one circumstance is not going to be the answer for everything that you ever go through. Hopefully, it will give you an inspiration. It's a great illustration, like Matthew 25 1 through 13 was. It's a great illustration that can help put a mental picture in your mind, that could help, you know, guide you. But at the end of the day, you need to understand what's what. And there's a lot of stealing of God's Word that's going on in the world today. A lot of just horrible preaching practices, horrible interpreting of Scriptures, just manipulation that goes on from the pulpit. I mean, this kind of stuff has always been around. It always will be around the important thing is that you all know how to identify it and it will it will help you get what you need and the people from liberty baptist church won't look like a bunch of nut jobs that just take you know the things that i say and go to extremes with them making me look bad too i I don't want that i want you all to know what to do so you can succeed in life so with that let's close the word prayer dear lord we thank you so much for your word we thank you for your goodness to us help us to take these things to heart. Lord, I pray you'll help everyone in here to be responsible for the preaching that they hear and to take the time to study the Scriptures themselves and check up on these things. And Lord, I just pray you'll help me especially not to steal your words, Lord, and help me to uh, be uh, obedient to the Holy Spirit and uh, what I'm supposed to preach. In your name we pray.